wearing most of that water I just drank. You're saying it was water. I guess that's how you know you're old, right? When you wear what you're drinking. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and uh, these guys will be glad to give you one. Take your Bibles and turn to Exodus chapter 31. 31. kind of exciting when Donnie called me at 7.30 this morning and said, we have no power. And I thought, good, I'll be able to yell and they'll have no recourse but to listen. And then I got here and it was pitch black in here and I'm thinking, what am I going to yell? I can't even see anything. So I really do appreciate um, MLGNW was was out here and, and uh, worked hard. It, I watched for a little while. That looks dangerous when things are popping and exploding and and you see sparks running along and a guy yanking. I think, man, the better man than I am. And I really do appreciate them uh, getting it done. And they did it quickly. So if you work for light, gas, and water or uh, know someone that does, I am grateful. I'm going to call the lady tomorrow that uh, happened to know her that, that them out here, so um, interesting how those things tend to happen on Sunday morning. I get here and Dale says, we need to practice, and the only place we can practice is in the lobby. So I said, well, okay, you take the lobby, we'll go in the auditorium, and then we came in here, and so we had a seance in here in the, <laughs> for my class. Chad said, well, let's break out the, the Christmas Eve communion candles. I said, we can do that. That's a good idea. He said, they wouldn't last too long. I said, it would be Randy couldn't teach very long either, so we ain't having that. All right, everybody find Exodus chapter 31. Did y'all have a great weekend at the D now? Yeah, if you miss me, good lie. I appreciate the lies, I really do. Uh, makes me feel better. I like the shirt, those are kind of, I like that color. Is that coral? It's not teal. Some type of, is coral, is that the right, did I get that right? What is it? Faded red, that doesn't sound, that sounds like the stuff I wear, not, uh, anyway, it's it's cool looking, I like it, so, somebody asked me yesterday if, if uh, I was talking about, I really like the shirts, the, uh, we was at the health ministry yesterday, after I finished basketball, so I went over to the gym, they're giving out the food, and several of the ladies had these uh, shirts, and somebody saw somebody, I think Connie had one on this morning, and the new women's ministry t-shirts, and but they, got, they really are cool looking. I said, wow, it really looks good. And I, w- I wish I could wear one, but you had to put women's on there. Be selfish. And the ladies, <laughs> and I said, you know, I guess I could wear one and just support, like I'm supporting the women's ministry. And the lady said, well, do you look good in pink? I said, well, I said, of course, I can wear anything. And, and have, as a matter of fact. All right, Exodus chapter 31. What we're really going to focus on today is... Um, something that's fascinating to me and, and really kind of where we've been going with this idea in our series is resting the rest of the week and we've been focusing on the last couple of weeks and we'll continue this week and then next week I want to look at the picture in the New Testament with when Jesus comes along. The, we've talked about the Sabbath in the Old Testament was a shadow and that Jesus is the substance. So we've been looking at resting 
in our Sabbath. And I really appreciated what Robin had to say earlier about their weekend. And I think it's really important for us to understand that we come together to worship as the body of Christ. But then we go out to live as individual believers in the midst of a culture that is very much anti-Christ. And so it's important that I, as a believer, have this time that I'm with other believers where we encourage one another. Even when we, this morning, for example, we get here and every person that came through the door and it, there was only light we had was the sunlight in the lobby and said, well, are we having church today? I said, well, we're going to hang around, see what happens. And just hanging around in the lobby and talking to each other and then eventually the power came back on and so we were able to do what we came to do. But if nothing else, we got to see each other's pretty faces and, and be reminded that these are people that I love and that I'm in fellowship with and that I, I care about and I pray for during the week. And uh, my wife reminded me, and, and it is a good reminder for all of us, like in my class, we do a prayer list, and then Dan emails that to everybody early on in the week. But also we have a church prayer list that's out here at the, the Welcome Center. You can pick it up every week. It's at, it has both campuses and the needs that are there. It's something you can pick up and just kind of a reminder to stick in your, your Bible or your devotional book. Wherever you take that few minutes each day, spend the time alone with the Lord, maybe in a, a private devotion. And some things that you can pray for, things about other members of the church that you fellowship with. And our missionaries, are, some of their information is out there and, and that you could pick up. And, and I promise you, they covet your prayers. I, I regularly get information from them. and got two emails this week about very specific prayer needs. And so, though, again, information that you can get and be reminded that I'm a believer 24-7, every day, every day of the week, throughout the year, we have the privilege. And that's what we're going to talk about today, the next step in understanding what it means to rest in my Sabbath. What we do together is extremely important, vital, and it is even a commandment in the New Testament. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. We need to do that for a lot of reasons, which we were not going to cover today. But then throughout the week, we need to understand what it means to rest in my God. That it is a privilege. We talked about the priority of worship and the right perspective about work and what we do. And a lot of that will tie in together. But the, remembering that God is my rest. And that, as we look at the Old Testament shadow, that we're reminded that Jesus Christ is the substance of that. That he is our Savior. He is our Lord. He is the Christ. And we talked about it in my class this morning. We started on Colossians. And that's the theme of that book. That Jesus is the Christ. That I'm complete in him. I don't need anything else. And the Greek definite article is used, meaning that he alone is that person. He alone has that power. He alone is that Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Savior, all the names you see throughout the Bible of who our God is. Jesus is that. And so I worship him and none other. I give my life to him, Romans 12:1 alluded to today. I give my life to him as a living sacrifice. What a cool oxymoron. When you think sacrifice, you think something you kill on an altar. God says, we die to self to live to him, a living sacrifice to Jesus alone. I serve others because Christ died 
for me. Jesus said, Jesus said, I came to serve and to die. And you reverse that, and that's what it means to be a Christian. I die to serve. That's who our Savior is. That's who our Christ is. And he alone, again, Greek definite article, he alone is that Christ. I can't find it anyplace else. And, and men, particularly, again, in our culture and in our world, we try everything else to spiritually satisfy us. We try everything else to give us meaning, purpose in life. And ultimately, we will find, even if on earth we are successful financially and, and relationally, we will discover at some point that there's a, a gap within me. Where is meaning? Where is purpose? Why am I on this planet? Where did I come from? Where am I going? What is life really all about? And the Bible makes it clear that Jesus is life. We get our word zoology from that Greek word, and it means he is the essence of life. In him, John said, is life no place else. And so our Sabbath, Jesus fulfills. And we're going to talk a lot about that next week. What I want to focus on today is Exodus 31, starting at verse 12. So if you'll turn there if you're not there already. Exodus 31, 12. So we've looked at the priority of worship and the perspective on work. And so today I want us to focus on the privilege that we have as the children of God, as Christians, as believers in Jesus Christ, followers of the one who is Lord of the Sabbath, the privilege we have to witness about him, the privilege to say who my Sabbath is, the privilege to say who my God is. And only believers in Jesus Christ have this privilege. We alone understand what it means to rest in the one true God. Jesus said, I am many things, but he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no human being comes to the Father but by me. You cannot know God any other way. Paul told Timothy, there's one God and one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus, you can go on and on. Uh, Dale quoted this morning, Jesus said, I have the keys to death and hell. That's the guy I want to talk to. And every human being does. I don't care who you are, at some point in your life, you're going to wonder what's beyond the grave. Jesus has the keys to that. The keys to death and hell. What's beyond the grave? He alone can give you, as 1 Corinthians talks about, the confidence that death is no problem for you. No, the grave is not an issue for you. That for you, you understand that death is going home. Only Jesus can give you that peace, that hope, that confidence, yet we try to find it every place else. So for us, and this is really where the Sabbath is so important for us to understand, that your Sabbath, your resting in Jesus Christ is an everyday affair. Because everybody you are around is looking for that peace, that hope that you have in Jesus Christ. Now, does that mean you're always going to perfectly execute that? No. But that's who you are. That's your goal. That's why spending time in prayer and spending time seeking the, the face of Jesus Christ, spending time in the Word of God is so important to, for you to learn, for you to apply the Word of God, let it change you, and then go out and live it wherever you find yourself throughout the week. But that's who you're resting in. You could be in the midst of a horrific storm, maybe literal, maybe spiritual, 
maybe emotional, maybe mental. And in the middle of it, you can say, I'm resting in my Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know what tomorrow brings, but he's already in tomorrow. So I trust him. I trust him. Look at Exodus 31. Let's talk about the privilege of witness. I'm going to read these verses and come back and talk about them a little bit and see how special God is. God wants you to understand you are as his children. Exodus 31, 12. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak also to the children of Israel saying, surely my Sabbaths, plural, you shall keep. For it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Work shall be done for six days, but the Sabbath is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Therefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. Remember that statement, very important. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. It says the same thing twice, very important. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And when he had made an end of speaking with him on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. Now get a little historical perspective and then understand what's going on. God has brought them out of incredible miracle after miracle after miracle has brought them out of bondage in Egypt and they're headed for the promised land, the land of Canaan, which means what in Hebrew? Rest. God has already given it to them. That's what he said, past tense. I've already given it to you. Go there, cross over the Jordan and take the possession that I've already given to you. Now, in the midst of this now, here they are. And God, they are about to build the tabernacle. God has given them the instructions to build the tabernacle. Just a little quick history. The tabernacle was the forerunner of the temple. It was a portable worship center that they carried around for about 400 years. And God gave them specific instructions for everything in the tabernacle down to the color of the thread that the tent was to be made and everything in it. It had the courtyard, it had the, the holy place, and then it had the holy of holies, just like the temple. It was called the tent of meeting. You ever hear anybody say they're going to have a tent meeting years ago? You, you can see it now every now and then. People have tent meetings. What it means in the Bible when it's called the tent of meeting is not that it was a tent you went to to have meetings. It meant it was the tent that they went to to meet God. In the Holy of Holies, you had the Ark of the Covenant. And the high priest went in there only on the Day of Atonement. And he would sprinkle blood on the lid of the Ark of the Covenant called the Mercy Seat. 1 Corinthians 5 tells us Jesus was our Mercy Seat. All of it was a shadow and a picture of Jesus who is the substance. So they had the tabernacle. Incredibly important moment in time. God has given them the instructions. They are about to build their portable worship center that would have the Shekinah glory of God, the cloud above it, the presence of God was represented by this when they came there. Incredible moment, special moment for them. 
the tent of meetings, had the Holy of Holies, had the Ark of the Covenant. And notice, God, after giving them the instructions, look at verse 12 again. After giving them the instructions for the tabernacle, what they're about to build, which is going to be very significant for them, to the point, just, just a quick note. They, if, if they did not do exactly what God told them to do in their relation to, for example, the Ark of the Covenant and the tent of meeting, God would strike them dead. He expected them, this is the idea of the privilege of witness. They were about to head into a land surrounded by pagans and all their gods. And he wanted to make sure his people, called by his name, his children, understood the incredible privilege he was giving to them to be the witness for the great I Am. What did he tell Moses his name was? When you go to the Hebrews and you go to Pharaoh, what's God's name? I am. And so their privilege, whether it was through the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, or in their Sabbaths, was to say to the world, this is what it means to worship God. This is what it means to know God. This is who God is. Not that statue you made. Not Molech. Not Baal. Not Ashtoreth. On and on. Your gods do not exist. Say the same thing to Pharaoh, and then he went about to prove it. Those other gods do not exist. Our God is God. Now let's fast forward to our day. Do you understand that's the privilege we have? To say to our world, the God that you worship, whether it's money, whether it's privilege, whether it's relationships, whatever it might be, That God is not God. You are not God. There is a God, and his name is Jesus. And so we as Christians, followers of this Jesus, have this same amazing privilege. In the midst of a world that is anti-Christ, we get to say, he alone is God. Now, it's very important that we remember we ought to say it with gentleness with respect. We respect everyone's right to believe however they choose to believe. Their right to believe that way. However, we stand for truth. Because what does truth do? It sets you free. Everything else is bondage. We've been set free because Jesus is truth. And so we are to share the gospel, the truth, the good news that he came, he died, He was buried, he rose again, he conquered sin and death, and you too can be set free. That's the privilege we have. It's the privilege the children of Israel had. God took it real serious. He said, if you're not going to do it my way, then you're going to be put to death. A message, do it my way, because I'm God. You're not. So listen to me. Obey me. Now look at what he says to them. Verse 12. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak also to the children of Israel saying, this is after giving them the instructions for the tabernacle, this great moment. If you read other places, they bring this amazing offering, and they're going to build this fabulous, portable worship center. And God said, now, remind them, before we get into the construction, speak to them and say, surely, don't forget, my Sabbath you shall keep. For it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. 
that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Look at verse 13. Excuse me, verse 17. Yeah, 17. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and he was refreshed. He said, remind them, Moses, to keep my Sabbaths. But they had the Sabbath one day a week. They also had other Sabbath. We talked about Jubilee and other Sabbaths that they had. God said, I gave them to you for a reason. Not the ceremony of the day itself, but as a sign. How many gods are there? Only one. And so when you take a day and you honor that God, or you take a year, a Jubilee year, and you don't touch the land for a year or a seventh year, what you are saying to all the pagans around you who live only for themselves and the gods they might worship, you're saying to them, our God is more important than anything else. And if he says to us, take the seventh day and rest and do no work in it, we will do that not as a rule, even though clearly it's a law, but to honor the one we trust, faith in our God. He says, trust me and take the Sabbath to rest. Take it, rest, and let the people around you see that you give the highest priority to your God, that he's more significant to you than anything else. It's a sign, verse 13 and 17, that perpetual covenant, covenant means a solemn promise, a vow that you make that you plan to keep. God always keeps his. Are we going to keep ours? You're saying to the world around you perpetually, continually, forever. He says it two different ways that you follow the one true God. You see, even the tabernacle, this great tent that they were about to build, was temporary. Eventually, it was replaced by what? The temple built by Solomon. What happened to that temple? 605 B.C. to 585 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon destroyed it. Destroyed it. Seventy years later, they went back, and they built another one called Zerubbabel's Temple. It was remodeled, and in Jesus' day, it was called Herod's Temple. And in 70 A.D., the Romans destroyed that. See, even the tabernacle and the temple and the temple and the temple that you spent so much of your time focused on, they're temporary. They're temporary. What's eternal? Perpetual covenant with the one true God. Where's the temple of God today, we're told in the New Testament? Where is it? Right here in our midst. It's in you. It's in us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we will live how long? Forever. With God. I love the picture there and how it's described that way. And the actual term in Greek that's used in the New Testament is that God tabernacles in us. Fascinating, isn't it? He tabernacles in us or dwells in us and with us. And the Bible tells us when we go to heaven, when we get to the eternal state in the new heaven and the new earth, that God will tabernacle with us there. And it's so special, that temple, that there's no light. No artificial light is needed. No moon, 
no stars, no lamps. They don't need MLG and W to come turn on the light. The light in the eternal state, Revelation says, is the presence of the Lamb of God. Because Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He is the light. We spend eternity in the presence of the light. And it begins in our lives as we're born again today. We know Christ. We go out into our world and say, yeah, I know God. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the one I follow. He's the one I rest in. He is my God. And so he says to the children of Israel, remember, it's a sign. It's a privilege. It's a perpetual covenant. As, poor, as important as the tabernacle is, nothing is as important as your relationship to God. I want you to notice one other thing he says. Look at verse 17. 17. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he, God, rested and was refreshed. Look at me for just a moment, please. What, did God get worn out? Did he get worn out? No. Of course not. He's God. Here's what he's saying. I want you to take a day and rest and be refreshed. I want you to take a Sabbath year and rest, be refreshed, let your land rest, let your people rest, let everybody rest. Why? Even I, God, took that day. And by you doing it, it's a testimony. By you doing it, you're saying to the people around you, yeah, we could work seven days a week, maybe even make a little more money, but eventually we're going to burn out. Did God know them better than they knew themselves? It's a, number one, it's a testimony. It said, he said it back in Exodus 20, we're looking at the Ten Commandments. Stop. Even God stopped. He builds into us the need to stop. Let me just kind of give you, summarize these principles, these Old Testament principles about the Sabbath. And then we're going to look at Hebrew and then we're going to be done. Remember, it was a, he gave them the ceremony of the Sabbath to picture their relationship with him. And here's the principles he wanted them to understand. Number one, work is not to consume our lives. Even God rested point is, if God needed to rest, how much more do I need to rest? Work cannot be what consumes me. And then he also said, this Sabbath rest is for everyone. You, your servants, your animals, everyone who might be in your midst, it's for everybody, not just the privileged, everybody. And it's also about Third point, it's about rest, not, and rest is not just not working. It's about resting for your physical health, your emotional health, your spiritual health, your mental health. You need to take some time where you just go, we don't do anything. We come together, we celebrate who our God is, we spend time with each other. It doesn't have to be on Sunday morning. We do it on Sunday morning. Why? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Why did the, the church of Jesus Christ meet on Sunday morning or Sundays? Because that's the day he rose from the dead. The most significant moment in all history was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
And the early church, which was almost exclusively Jewish, and it always worshipped on what day? Saturday. They changed to Sunday. Why? Because they believed Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah, and he rose from the dead on Sunday. And they believed it because, you see, without the resurrection, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, we're wasting our time. You're miserable. You're still in your sins. Our preaching is a lie. This is all fruitless. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits. We are the latter fruits. He rose from the dead. So we celebrate that by coming together. We rest. But the other thing, the next point is we get refreshed, like God was talking about. Even he, even he did that. And then we get an idea. We're encouraged to be renewed. We come together here and we're, through, through song and through the word of God, through praying, through testimony, through spending time with each other. We renew a couple of things. Our commitment to Christ, our commitment to each other, and our commitment to go out there and be different. Again, as Robin was sharing earlier. Don't just, don't, not just go through the week, but be different. Go through the week, do what you have to do, but do it as somebody who's resting in Jesus Christ. That he's your rock. He's your hope. He's your strength. He's the one you trust in. He's your rest. We renew that. And also, in a very real sense, our conscience, our relationship with God, spending that time maybe being convicted by the word of God or convicted by the Holy Spirit about something that we need to change or we need to do, something that we're not doing as God works in our lives. And then another thing that God, one of the Sabbath principles that he teaches in the Old Testament is he wanted them to take that time to reflect, to reflect on a couple of things. Number one, what God had done. Remember, historically, where he, ju he just brought them from. Egypt, bondage, set them free. He said, I want you to remember that. Passover, for example, was to be a constant reminder that the death angel passed over the homes that had the blood on the door. And they were spared. God said, I want you to reflect on that. What I've done for you. What I've provided for you. The promised land. Canaan. Freedom. What I've promised you. That I'll always be with you. You're going to be my people. I'm going to give you a land. And I'm going to give you a seed eventually. The Messiah. Now in our lives, God wants us to stop. And he wants us to reflect what he's done for us. Jesus came and he died for Randy Lockman. He died for me so I can be free. What has he done for me? He set me free from sin and death as my master, as my fear. I no longer have to fear death. Sin is no longer my master. Jesus is. He set me free. That's what he's done for me. What does he provide? And he's provided for me he, peace, hope, a good life. And he's provided for me eternal life. He's made me so many incredible promises in the word. I'll never understand why. Because he's a God of grace and a God of mercy. This is what he's done for me. This is what he's given to me. This is what awaits me. And Sabbath 
is a way of just stopping and saying, thank you. Now, how can I go live that out in a very real sense? And then it's about faith, trust. We talked about it being a day of not working. Because what you're saying by not working is this. I know God will take care of me. I know God will provide for us. And again, it's not about the day. Even though we need to take the time. It's about the witness. The privilege of the witness. To say to our world, God is more important to me than money. He will take care of me. I don't have to work seven days a week. He will take care of me. And even on a daily basis, where is my priority? And the whole idea, to sum it up, it's about witness. It's about witness. God is number one in my life, not myself, not my job. And I'm not saying, obviously, you should do what you have to do for your job. But in the process of doing it, the people understand my number one priority is Jesus Christ. He is my priority. Years ago, and I'm going to wrap up with this today, and then we will go look at what Jesus says to fulfillment next week. Years ago, when they used mules in the uh, Pennsylvania coal mines, they would be down in the coal mines, the mules would be to haul it out all week long. One day a week, they would bring the mules out of the Pennsylvania coal mines and leave them out in the sun all day long because if they did not, they went blind. And they were just down there all the time and they never saw sunlight, they went blind. I guess the idea for us as Christians is to, is to understand this. The privilege we have to go out into our world every day and say, there is a God. I've met him. I know him. I'm in a relationship with him. His name is Jesus Christ. And he's given us his church, his body, the privilege of saying, he's the one I trust in. He's the one who is my life. He's my Sabbath rest. Next week, we're going to see where he says that's the case, that I am Lord of the Sabbath. Would you bow your heads, please? Father, we thank you that you are God. You alone, you alone are God. You are our rest. You alone offer rest. Not like the world offers, but rest that's real, that's permanent that is perpetual. When you make a covenant promise, you keep it. So Lord, today we look at our lives and I pray for us as Christians, those of us who know Christ and born again, your children, that we would rest. We'd come together, worship. We'd spend time away from anything other than reflecting on what you've done. Realizing how special our families are to us, our friends. And in the privilege of every day going out and being what you called us to be, the church of Jesus Christ, that we would rest in you and then share that rest with our world. We thank you for that privilege, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.